0: and I am really so excited to be able to engage you this evening. I'm going to start with a short story which I feel encapsulates the very essence of today's webinar. I'm sure it's a story that some of you have heard, but anyway, here we go. There was once an old Cherokee who decided to pass on some of his wisdom to his young grandson. He told him that there was a raging battle going on inside each one of us between two wolves that dwell inside of us. Now you see, one of these wolves is evil. It is jealousy, anger, arrogance, envy, ego, resentment. You think of anything nasty and it was it. The other was good. It is hope, love peace, benevolence, compassion, kindness, empathy, and anything you can think of that is nice. The grandson thought about it for a while and asked, which of the wolves eventually wins? And his granddad replied, the one you feed. You see, the one we feed is a choice that has to be deliberately nurtured. It's not something that happens by chance. As the primary caregivers, the responsibility is on us to embrace the process so that it becomes easier for us to impart. Because we all know, you simply cannot give what you don't have. From this story, I'm sure it's quite easy for us to see why self-regulation is the bedrock of all learning. Without it, we would be no better than wild animals. This begs the question, what is self-regulation? It's our ability to monitor and control our thoughts and emotions. A self-regulated person understands that learning is mutable, which means it's a skill that develops over time with practice and practice and more practice it's not a fixed trait that we inherit when we're born. Since we're not gifted with these skills in equal proportion, the obligation now falls back on us to identify those areas where we are lacking and begin to develop the skills we need. Now you see, self-regulation is based on the premise that the better able we can stay calm, alert and focused, the easier it is for us to integrate the diverse information coming in from our different senses. We're able to assimilate it and sequence our thoughts and actions. You see, it's not just about getting control of our negative emotions. If it were, there will be no difference between self-regulation and compliance. Whereas compliance is based on punishment, it's punishment-based. If you do this, there's gonna be consequences. Self-regulation involves thinking skills, intrinsic awareness that the choices I am making are good for me. It is not based on the fear of the consequences. We all know that a thinking person is in charge of their own behavior. And as such, when learning how to learn, developing that repertoire of thinking processes that we can draw on to solve problems is the major goal of education. I'm going to drive this point home with an anecdote that still makes my spirit soar till this day. I remember a couple of years ago when I was still in the classroom That year had inherited a boisterous lot and already knew the only way learning was ever going to take place was to ensure that self-regulation became the heartbeat of the class. They simply had to make choices that served them well. Well, anyway, it all came to fruition one day when the students had gone for their swimming class. Now, usually after swimming, They have five minutes traveling time to get back to the class. I remember the whole class coming back promptly, except my most nonchalant student. As we waited for the culprit, he staggered into the classroom and the whole class simply just glared at him. And he came up to me and he said, Mrs. Inudu, I did not self-regulate. And I'm like, "Okay, so what's the story this time? And he goes, I did not make choices that tied in with my values. And I'm like, go on. And he goes, after swimming, I chose to linger around instead of promptly returning to class. You see, I could have hugged him. Because in that moment, he was independently able to monitor, evaluate, and make changes to his learning behavior. He realized the choices he had made did not serve his best interest. Light bulb is that character formation or what? Character. You can see self-regulation directly impacts our character. What is your character? It's simply the type of person you are which is simply a sum total of your habits. If you've mastered the art of self-regulation, the pillars of character become quite seamless. Think about it. Trustworthiness. You've learned to be genuine and truthful because you already know lying and deceiving will come back to haunt you. Responsibility. You know to keep your promises and honor your commitments. Respect. You've learned to value other people's perspective, their time, and their space. Fairness. You treat people justly, and you do not let your personal feelings about them affect your decisions about them. Caring. You've learned to be kind. It's the best kind of reputation to have, and it far outlives any short-term fame that is based on a pretty face, or your accomplishments. Citizenship. You've learned the importance of a strong moral code. You can even see things from a global perspective, that your choices and actions have far reaching consequences. Now, I actually think at this point, I would have done this discourse a disservice if I didn't highlight SMSC the spiritual, the moral, the social and cultural development, which is taught in many schools in Nigeria, and which kind of equips the students to be caring, active, and thoughtful citizens, not just in the school environment, but also in the larger society. It helps the students to be aware of the fundamental human values of democracy, the rule of law, individual liberty, tolerance, and respect. A person who is strongly grounded in SMSC and self-regulation has the formation required for effective communication and conflict resolution. This is because who we are communicates far more effectively than anything we can say or we can do. The key from my experience is to be able to give expression to your feelings without blaming the other person, to be able to listen in an open and non-judgmental way, to focus on feelings and not on facts, and begin with sympathy and not on solution. You can see how this can contribute to the idea of self-concept. I'm sure you can see how I'm building the scaffolds. The point I'm trying to make is, listen, nothing happens by chance. Everything is deliberate, you know. The idea of self-concept is simply how we see ourselves and how we perceive our abilities. Because at the end of the day, our job is to provide a solid foundation anchored on correct principles, which are fundamental truths that are woven through the very fabric of life. There are simply no shortcuts. You have to reteach it, rehearse it, reinforce it, until it becomes a habit. Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you so much, Phildenma, thank you. That was um, apt. And um, I'll just touch on a few things, a few pointers you nailed, which are um, the foundation of your speech is based on self-regulation, and not the fear of consequences that the child understands why i need to do what i'm supposed to do and not because of um, the consequence or the punishment i'll get if i don't do it so the foundation of raising um, successful teenagers into young adults is ownership of responsibility and ability to do what needs to be done when and how it should be done without any prompting. Thank you so much. So we'll move on quickly to our next speaker. Um, I'll introduce him. Our next speaker is Mr. Michael E.J. Mr. Michael, we can't see you very well. Okay, that's better. (laughs) Okay, so Mr. Michael E.J. has over over 16 years experience as an educator and parents coordinator at the prestigious White Sands School. And he's been married for over 25 years. Mr. Michael EJ deeply understands the various peculiarities of the developmental stage of the teenage years and the ways of successfully navigating them to raise sound young adults. He has a HD in marketing, LB, BL postgraduate studies in marriage, education, and family as well. He is currently a moderator and the national secretary of the Nigerian Association for Family Development, NAFAD. Mr. Ije has attended various local and international conferences and seminars on family and educational issues. He's happily married with four children. Mr. Ije will be giving his own perspective on parenting um, from the point of view of a man, as well as his experience over time in successfully parenting um, teenagers into young adults. Thank you very much, Mr. Ije. Please go on.
2: Okay. <clears throat> Thank you very much, uh, Rosemary. Um, I hope you're seeing me because I'm still seeing Fidema. I don't know whether there's adjustments we made here. But anyway, so I'm going to speak essentially on the role of a father in your bringing of his children. And then, of course, you know, um, okay, we'll focus on... Uh, teenagers and young adults, but of course, they don't, young adults don't fall from heaven. They they are young, they were babies, and then they went through different stages until becoming adults. Of course, different demands are made of parents at the difference. So I'll just give a broad outline of what I think a father's role is in the upbringing of his uh, children. Now, uh, certainly, nature made it that uh, we have to use the two genders of, of the human nature have to come together in order to form a family and then raise children. So you have the masculine gender and then the feminine gender. So the men are masculine, the men are... And it is not a chance, not accident, that these two genders are the way they are. So there's masculinity, and then there's femininity, And they must cooperate in order to work together. Um, a brief of the creation story from the Christian perspective was that uh, Adam was created with all the other things, but life wasn't was complete. And then he found himself alone. It doesn't relate to any of the other creatures. And then until God created Eve, and there was that uh, Romantic phrase of uh, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, so femininity and uh, masculinity are complementary genders. Problem. So, what is masculinity? The characteristics of masculinity are essentially three that we can happen. There is strength, hmm? physical strength. Of course, we generally accepted that men are physically stronger. I'm laying emphasis on the thing physical because the whole idea of being stronger can, is open to debate. But physically, men appear stronger than women. You know? That's the usual thing we see. And then he has also what you call energy. Hmm? You see that in the games that involve uh, physical and energy, men and women don't compete together. There's women running their races. And now women play football. Women also play with women. If we have to ask men to play against women. Be, of course, here, yeah, more energy is used. And then he has also what we call aggressive intelligence. You know, he he's a protector. And so he's, he's more aggressive by the way he approaches life. Think, for example, of a situation where there's a fire or there's an accident. If you visualize it, what you will normally see is that you hear women do all the shouting to raise alarm, help, all that and all that. The men get into the fire, how we can beat it, how we can beat it, how we can put it out? You may not hear them, you're unlikely to hear them shouting they get into the fire then do their best or as a, an accident they take job situation get the people out of the cars best as they can get them to hospital get a car you know stop, stop the vehicles on the road get them and then do their best and once the situation is calm that is you know is under control there's nothing much left here to do anymore you see that the men just begin to disappear okay wait so this aggressive intelligence you know what is needed to be done and reply themselves says so to get it done and then move on. This is how your life seems to uh, carry on. So this, is, so these three characteristics are essentially masculine characteristics. Of course, women are tender, loving, and that's also very important. So in living this masculinity, there can be three ways of trying to live it. One is to live it as macho. Mm? The macho man is one of the things that the World, he's the center of the universe. Everything circulates. without him, the world is, uh, doesn't exist. So, the other people, are there. so this doesn't bring him much uh, peace as a person and doesn't bring him much good relationship. There's also the feminine, uh, masculine, well, we call it wimpo, eh? that is a man who is not sure whether he's a man. Mm-hmm. He acts, you know, this CC kind of man, and it's very boring for him. So, this is again, when you probably believe masculinity, really is to be first of all, accept the fact that you're a man, but also understand that women exist as femininity exists and is important and it is good, and you need their cooperation. So, that's why. A man working with his wife, feminine gender, they produce the best rather than both of them working out loggerheads each other. So if he tries to dominate the woman, what may happen is that he may end up being sabotaged. Just those things, but of course, know, more often than not, women will have the heart of the children and they'll pay attention. But if he works together with her, so this, this is what we call the complementary nature. Women, femininity, and uh, masculinity complementing each other. So this is the, what we are hoping that you know each man will learn to arrive at this complementary situation, regarding knowing that, yes, he is a man, and he has his characteristics, and he's not afraid, not he's not unsure of it, certain of who he is. But he's also aware that the femininity exists, and is also good, and is needed for the good of family, good of society, good of the world good of the world. So this is uh, what he needs. And once he has this understanding, he's on the way to being a good father, a good, good children. Hmm? So what and then is the job of the father, if you put it lightly, in terms of upbringing, helping to raise his children? He has two major tasks at one. One is to form character and then to protect. This is essentially the uh, masculine role in the upbringing of uh, children. Form character and then protect. Um, uh, now, had said a lot about the issues of um, character forming, and it's essential to all the upbringing that a man is trying to give his uh, children. Hmm? So, once he understands that uh, complementary rules, then he's on the way to working. In forming character, what does he need to do? You know, the idea is that parents understand that children do not come into the world with sound character. Rather, they come in with a lot of um, Excuse me, putting it like that, but that's like negatives. You know, what do, what do you do the children? They are selfish, they are self centered, greedy, they are egoistic. This is what you see in raising children. Hmm? See a group of young people, bring, you bring one toy, the child takes it. Another toy comes, doesn't come to him naturally to give away so that his brother or other children is basically how he wants to grab that second one too. And then um, when he needs some. Thing, he cries until you know the world will look at him this is selfishness and like everything and mothers can relate to this as well. you know when you're um sometimes you're cry, your child just cries to so blackmail you and if you're not conscious of you become like tied to her so the child's a principal one starts crying and it gets louder so if you don't rise up to him or how to once he's not wet, he's not, uh doesn't have any, you know, he's not hungry, sometimes you can let the child cry. you understand that, okay, no. They'll answer me when I, when it's proper, when you write me this. Okay, so he focuses on three essential things, uh, sorry, four essential things in this, what you call character formation. Now Greek philosophers um, have that five four major virtues or character traits that can help. And then because they are the fundamentals, they refer to them, some books refer to them as the uh, cardinal virtues. You know, cardinal is like a hinge. If you see a door, the hinge of the door is where the door rotates. And if there's no hinge, that door won't, won't hold. So these cardinal virtues are like the hinge of which all the other character traits. So in some books, you can see them naming you know, up to 64 character traits. But these four are essentially the hinge on which all these other ones rest. So they are like the ground, and then there are other smaller sub virtues that are falling under these four. So essentially, they are prudence, justice, fortitude, and, uh, and temperance. Forti- uh, prudence is the wisdom to decide, the ability to decide. What we need, what is the goal, and what is the best way? To Sorry, get Mr. That.
1: Um, we'll, we have, I think we, we're out of time, but we'll give you an additional one minute to round up.
2: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't for 10 minutes. Yes, yes. So, okay, so justice is the uh, ability to give each man his due to know that he he's owed something, that he owes other people something. Uh, prudence. It's sort of the prudence, about the ability to decide which way to go and the best way to get there. So if I want to get good results, I have to study. This is prudence. No, it, can't, it doesn't come from here. And then temperance is to enjoy the good things of life with um, with kind of moderation. So you don't watch television all day. You don't uh, do the things you enjoy doing all day. That's not life. You have to do the things that are necessary, be you done. Know? And then fortitude is the ability to stay with the task until we get it done, we complete it. So challenges will come, but you keep at it until. So your child does not uh, start um, one club and then he gets something with it, and then he says, I want to change to swimming. From swimming, I want to change, no. If he decides that this is the problem, he has to see it through. If he starts his assignment, if he finishes, has something to do for 30 minutes, he lets sit down for 30 minutes to get it done. So he's developing that for the of And then responsibility and all others will come with the um, I hope that I'll be able to give more air to this during the question and answer time since 10 minutes is so I've slowed away. So working with his wife, learning the four cardinal virtues, remembering that his duty is to protect and to form character. Is- Thank you so much, Mr.
1: Thank you. J. Um, I think in summary, what Mr. J has um, talked about is um, character. The character of a man—a man, a man sorry—a man's role is to actually raise the character of the children, and he acts as the protector. Um, there are four, essentially four virtues, uh, or the hinges of which the personality or the character of the children are based on, which are prudence, um, temperance, justice, justice. I beg your pardon. Sorry about that. So, sorry, I'll start again. Prudence, justice. Prudence.
2: Yes, fortitude.
1: Fortitude and temperance. And temperance. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, we'll move on to our next speaker before we move on to the Q&A. Our next speaker is Mrs. Charity Ladi Babatunde. Babatunde. I'll take that again. Mrs. Charity Ladi Babatunde. She's a certified senior professional in HR and she's the founder of Rave at All and the pioneer of Digital Intelligence quotent. She's the ambassador, oh, sorry, Digital Intelligence quotient ambassador in Nigeria. Through her social enterprise, Rave at All, her YouTube program, What We Wish Our Parents Knew, her books, A, Niger's, a Niger Parent's Guide to Having the Talk, Sex and More and A Niger Parent's Guide guide to Having the Talk, Drugs and Substance Abuse, as well as her blog www.parentinvestment.com. Charity continues to impact the lives of thousands of children, teens and emerging adults, and provides invaluable tips for parents and parent figures as a parent in this digital age. Married with two amazing young adults, who have equipped her with a much-needed practical experience for this wonderful journey of parenting. Charity is passionate about seeing Nigeria become more of a society where success is driven by values. Please join me in welcoming my good friend Mrs. Charity Ladi Babatunde.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much Rosemary. Good evening everybody. Thank you for having me. Um, since 10 minutes seems to fly very fast, let me race through this and whatever we miss, we will catch during the Q&A. When Rosemary told me that I would be speaking, I mean, what the theme of um, today's event was, successfully parenting teenagers into young adults, a couple of questions ran through my mind. So when she was reading my bio, she said, she mentioned that I have two amazing, and when I say amazing, I mean that in every sense of the word. You know, amazing can be wow, and amazing can be hmm. I mean it in every sense of the word. Who have helped me navigate um, the journey of parenting. So I have a daughter who's 26 and a son who's 23. They've gone through the teenage, um, they've passed through the teenage stage, obviously, and they're now at the stage where we call, what we call emerging adults. And I asked myself the question, at what stage would I say that I had successfully parented them into young adults? At what stage can we really say that we have successfully parented our children into young adults? Is it when they graduate with straight A's, first class? Is it when they win all the medals? Is it when they're not um, dabbling or experimenting with drugs? Is it when they graduate and have a good job? At what stage can we really say that we have successfully parented them into young adults? The truth of the matter is looking at my experience, looking at the experiences of many people, you never stop parenting until you are no longer on this earth. My mom recently turned 75, she's still parenting us to how we remain young adults. But you see, the thing is at the end of the day, because the indices of success or what we term success, keeps changing at every stage, it's important that we consistently bear in mind what the goal of parenting is. And the goal of parenting is to ensure that our children eventually become productive individuals who grow up to be useful, not just to themselves, but to whatever society they find themselves in. Now, once we remember that, it then makes the journey a lot easier. We remember that what we're raising are not children who are transiting into teenagers and transiting into adults, but we're actually raising people who are transiting into individuals that are productive wherever they find themselves. I like what Mr. EJ um, said about the um, parenting being the role of both, both the father and the mother. I want to say at this stage that my husband and I have not necessarily always agreed on the method of parenting our children. But one thing that is very clear is that the goal, we're pursuing the same goal. And that is to ensure that at the end of the day, these children that have been placed in our custody end up being the best versions of themselves that they can be. The truth of the matter is that adulting is hard. Transiting from teenage to young adult is hard. And it gets harder per second per second. When you and I were growing up, we didn't know anything about COVID. Nobody even knew that there would be COVID. Nobody knew that there would come a time when you would have to have a hybrid of online schooling and having to get up from the comfort of your bed. Um, Fidelma talked about self-regulation, being able to self- self-regulate and know what to do when. So the thing is, for parenting, and I'd like to take a, a bit of the pressure off us parents. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Everybody's journey is different. And the truth of the matter is there are no, um, there, it's not sort a of one size, there, there's no magic word. Every child is different and your manner of parenting them is different. But it's important that we keep the goal in mind. And I've already mentioned what that goal is. It's also important to know that one thing that is common to every teenager who will transition into young adulthood and eventually become a full-blown adult is the choices that they would make. Life is all about choices. So I guess the challenge for us as parents is what can we do to equip our children to be able to make the choices that they need to make at every stage of their lives. Anybody who's heard me talk knows that I like using acronyms. For me, it's the easiest way to learn. So very quickly, I'll tell you six things that I think can help us as we parent our children from the teenage age into a young adulthood and even throughout our entire parenting journey. And what that word is, is parcel. P-A-R-C-E-L. I like to look at it as gifts that we, we as parents, we love giving our children gifts. So I, look, I like to look at it as gifts that we can give our children that can, Mr. it call them the cardinal values. Th- gifts that we can give our children that will help them as they go along the journey. The first one is the letter P, problem solving. Their skills. Every single human being is going to face problems. As a teenager, you're going to face problems. One of the things I do, or I I, I mean prior to, to coronavirus was going around schools to talk to teenagers, to talk to young adults and all that. And you'll be amazed at their problems. To you, they may look very trivial and very mundane, but to a child who has their nude pictures floating in cybers- cyberspace, it's a major problem. What do you do? Do you keep succumbing to the blackmailer who is, who is threatening to publish your pictures? Or do you solve the problem? As parents, it's important that we equip our children with problem-solving skills. Once they are able to know how to solve problems at various stages, then we have ticked one of the checkboxes of successfully helping them transition. The next one is accountability. That's the A accountability. Accountability is about taking responsibility for your actions. We hear too many times about children blaming other people, making excuses, not being dependable. But guess what? The problem probably may be us. It may be the fact that we jump into always solve sort them out, which is closely linked to problem solving. We don't allow them to face the responsibilities for their actions. There's what I call the burden of freedom. Every single teenager wants freedom. They want their privacy. They want to be able to do what they want to do when they want to do it. We need to begin to teach them accountability. If not, when they end up working somewhere, they cannot take accountability, they can't take responsibility for some of their actions. Very quickly, the next one is R, resilience. What is resilience? Resilience is being able to bounce back after a seeming failure. These days we hear a lot about mental health emotional instability. Why? Because the pressure is a lot. Why? Because we've probably shielded them a bit too much. We haven't told them the reality of life. We haven't told them that adulting is hard. We haven't told them that you will sometimes get fired twice in a year, like it happened to my daughter. And I'm super proud of her because twice this year, she had, she had um, because there was a global cut, she was asked um, there was a, a global layoff and she was one of those affected. She got another job in the same organization and barely two months after, again, because of coronavirus, they were asked to go. But she's been able to bounce back. And the truth of the matter is that it happens at various stages. It could be having to repeat a class. So I've talked about problem solving. I've talked about accountability. I've talked about resilience. The next one is courage. Anybody who is raising a child in this 21st century, 2020 needs to instill in them the gift of courage. Courage is important to be able to say no when every other person is doing it. Courage is is being able to face up with uncertainty when you do not know what lies ahead, what's next. Courage is being able to say, look, this is where I'm going. Now, the truth of the matter is courage helps them overcome negative peer pressure. It helps them break bad habits. It helps them be kind in a world where there's a lot of unkindness. The next one is E, which is education. And I'm not just talking about formal education. I'm talking about emotional intelligence. I'm talking about soft skills and hard skills, learning how to relate with people. I'm talking about digital intelligence, knowing what to do in in cyberspace and in the digital world. And then the last one is L. L is love. Love for self. Too many times we talk to them about um, loving other people, showing love for other people. Love has many facets. But one of the facets that has caught my attention in recent time is the facet of kindness. Being kind to yourself. If you're kind to yourself, it's not likely you will make choices that are injurious to you. So when we talk about successfully parenting our children, our teenagers into young adults, at what stage can we really say we're successful? I'm going to take the liberty of talking about who we would probably refer to as the most, the perfect parent. And that's God almighty himself. God created Adam and Eve. Would you describe, him- um,
1: we'll yes. give you your know, the time, but we'll give you additional okay. two
3: minutes. All right. Fantastic. Thank you. All good uh-huh. Would you describe him as the perfect parent? If you did not know the end of the story, he created a perfect situation. And he put two individuals there, and they had choices to make. They made the choice. Parents know that there's something called free will. At the end of the day, our children have the liberty to make their choices. I've seen too many parents put themselves under immense pressure because they're trying to live up to certain indices. I guess the only thing we should focus on is to, one, remember that we do not own these children. They are only placed in our custody. Two, remember that they have the free will. Three, remember that we will give an account, and four, what is most important is that we instill in them the values that will help them make right choices so that they end up being productive individuals, useful not just to themselves, but to any society they find themselves in. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much. I, I, I felt quite guilty actually stopping all three of you, but you know we already have a, a program in place, and people also have their... Alternative plans as well, so um, we'll try and keep to time. Uh, But we have a few questions um, already in. Um, Please, before we go ahead with the Q and A, please be informed that if you're not comfortable with a question you want to ask, you can please send it anonymously, privately to Thrive, the host. Um, send it and just put anonymous there, and your name would not be mentioned. But if you're okay with the question, please go ahead and um, post on the, on the group chat. I'll start with the very first question that came in anonymously, which is, my child is not self-motivated. My teenage son is not self-motivated. He's hardworking, he's smart, but you have to keep pushing. How do I help him overcome this? Any one of you can take, um, um, take the question. And if somebody has answered and somebody else has some, something else to add, please feel free to, uh, to go ahead and add. Please, we're expecting questions to come in. Thank you. Any of the speakers can go ahead, please. Okay, so I'll go with Fidelma. Fidelma, the question is, my child is not self-motivated. My teenage son is not self-motivated. He's hardworking, he's intelligent. How do I help him overcome this? Please unmute.
0: Well, I think a good place to start is figuring out what this child likes. What does this young man What really interests him? Because, I mean, if he's not motivated, it's almost like he's not being challenged. He's finding things boring. So you might want to start with what really excites him? What gets him going? Then you start from there. Because usually, like, I have four children, and the first is 29, the next one is 28, and the third one is 27 and the baby is 23. And I know, like they say one mother gives birth, but they're all four very different people. And I know for some of them, for one of them in particular, it was almost like what he was doing, he found it so boring. So the minute I could anchor him onto, okay, this boy just likes to be on the move. Do you understand he has to be doing something? You know, that's where it starts for him. So I remember for any, I kind of registered him. We got him into soccer. He started doing things. He really loved. Then from what he loved, you start explaining to the child, you see, but the world is bigger than that. You can't pigeonhole yourself. You're just beginning to see life. It's okay to explore different facets of it. So from that little corner of playing soccer, he now began to see the big world. He now started understanding, "Mm, you can't do things in isolation. Yes, you like sports, but you've got to go to school because, I mean, we all know education is the best way to transport yourself from one social class to the other, you know? And I always tell my children, you must have a backup plan, okay? What if you become this football player and something happens to your leg? What happens to you then? You know, so I say just start with what the child is really passionate about, build his confidence, and then gradually introduce him to the real world. Thank you. Thank you, Phil, Demma. Um,
1: Does anybody have anything else to add? No? Okay. So we'll move on to the next question. I'm not seeing questions on the... I'm only seeing... I have two more questions on the... Private chat. Please post any concerns or any questions you may have on the group chat or privately um, to the host. Thank you. So the next question is: my daughter is involved. My daughter is involved in a group that sorry, it's in short form. My daughter is involved in a group that is involved in, it looks like porn. I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, if the person could please send it back, but I'm assuming it's, my daughter is involved in um, a group of friends that are involved in pornography. I have been problems getting her out of it. What advice would you give since I'm usually out of the house. I'm assuming she means work. Her work affects her. So her daughter basically is um, involved in a group of friends that are into um, porn, her teenage daughter into porn. Um, what advice would you give? Can Charity, oh, can you answer that, please, then we'll oh, come sure.
3: to Mr. Aj. Okay. All right. So um, a couple of things. Um, You said teenager. The spectrum of teen is from 13 to 18. Um, The younger the teenager, the more control you still have over the child. Of course, that's not to say you do not have some control at the age of 13. So there's, sorry, at the age of 18 or 19. But there are certain things you can do. One is, first of all, a conversation has to be had. You need to understand where that is coming from. How do you isolate that child Or take that child away temporarily because you can't do it on a permanent basis from the group of friends. How do you help her know the kind of people that should be her close circle of friends? How do you help her to know the kind of choices that she should make? It may require you seizing her um, devices because these days, I'm sure most of the porn has to do with digital. It's not about magazines and all that. But it will also require quite a bit of talking to and having conversations. You need, unfortunately, I've heard too many stories of people that are addicted, young people that are addicted to porn. If it gets to, if, it, if it has gotten to the stage where there is some form of addiction, then you might have to seek some professional help. But the starting point is to have a conversation. Let her know candidly what is wrong with porn. And for you to be able to have that candid conversation, you yourself have to know what is wrong with it. So it's not just enough to say, because I don't like it, or because it's not good for you, because the children that we're dealing with want a lot more information. But yes, if you need to go tough and take and cut off whatever the um, the entry points into it is, which may mean restricting the interaction she has with those people, taking out um, her digital devices and all that, by all means do that, but have a conversation about it. Okay. And um, can I just back to what she
1: said? When there's a need for um, professional help, mm-hmm. we also have to um, let parents know that it's not the stigma. There's no stigma. is the future of your child at stake Absolutely. here. No. Yes. yes. So um, if your child needs professional help, please, by all means, you know, um, seek the help that your child needs. Mr. Ijei, e. do you have anything to, else to add to this before we move to the next question?
2: Yes, maybe just to an expansion of what this conversation should uh, entail. Hmm? Um, we are coming from a background, fortunately, where the idea of sexuality education is um, is almost non-existent, that parents are, but that being important was, because the, the truth that we are human and we are sexual. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. This is something we come to uh, we help our children come to terms with. Now, because our sexuality is about the best gift we have, of course, um, depending on the password, but you know that we're able to participate in the procreative, uh, procreative power of God is a great gift. Um, I remember I have to tell my students, you know, when you know each time you have to double on a, a topic that relates to sex, because you hear the giggling and the all that. Right. So you have to have a straight face to say, well, here, yeah, sex is good. And then I'm sick. yes. And then remind them that without it, none of us will exist. That's how good it is. It's even process we can do. So, when that's understood, they can help see that because it is so good, it is important to protect it. Hmm? People protect the things they value most. Hmm? We keep our best clothes in the Reservoir of a uh, um, wardrobe. For women, you keep your gold in the Some people even go as much as keeping it in the bank to be sure that nothing happens to it. So that's the reason why reality needs to be protected. Not because it's a bad thing that we should be ashamed of, but because it's something good. So you don't have to raise yourself, esteem uh, yourself as a person. Hmm? So uh, the, the what is essentially wrong with pornography is the fact that it debases the human person. You know, I mean, you can see that, although unfortunately, there are no village scenes anymore in the city, but uh, you could see that animals mate in the open, uh, do all kinds of things. For human privacy and material life is part of the human dignity. And this is why we can not let things that are supposed to be essentially deeply private come into the public space for, So when they begin to understand this, they begin to help them realize that they are truly divising themselves first of all We're watching, and they are contributing to the division of other human beings. And if uh, nothing is done, all of us will sink together. And of course, uh, we help them see that they too are already feeling guilty about sinking. I don't think anybody who is into pornography feels happier because not something they proudly talk about. Small group where can't, yeah, but they can't talk about it, so they have to see that you're meaning you yourself. You need, so that helps them begin to see that I have to help myself, you know, and whatever solutions they also will have part of it. For example, the thing of um, seizing the device is maybe an extreme situation if, of course, nothing's working, but you can encourage them to volunteer to surrender it. Hmm? So at that times so when they know they get into trouble, for example, before going to bed. I mean, well, uh, we all go to bed at 10, so can you surrender your toys at 10 o'clock? You have them back in the morning. That can become a way of helping them, you know, them that, you know, regulation and they can have a good sleep. They can have it. Thank you.
1: Okay, thank you so much. So um, we'll move on to um, the next question. Philema, do you have anything to say about that question? Are you okay? I, I think they covered it really well. Okay, thank you. Um, the next question I'll take from the chat before I move on to the private chat. Um, the question, the first question here says, stay with me. At around what age, this question is from Osai Yahweh Agu, around what age bracket is a child's personality developed? Um, charity, you can go with that. I would have thought that the
3: question would we'll go to Fidelma. No, Fidelma, I, please, go on. Let me tell you why I chuckled. Because I almost want to say right from when the baby pops out. <laughs> you know, because you begin to exhibit different things. There are some children who are more quiet. There are some who are louder. There are some who grab things. I don't know how many of us saw the WhatsApp video of um, two T- I don't even know what, they're babies who had just learned how to walk. And one was helping, I think they were twins. One was helping the other one climb up the stairs. And yeah, that it. already sh- this, um, the child is already showing the um, character trait of kindness, of responsibility. I don't know how many of us saw the um, one who had quadruplets. And one, as they're trying to salvage one, the other one is climbing um, into the fridge and all that. So I think from the moment where we're blessed with having a blank canvas and we can then begin to guide them. So what then happens is they come, don't forget that they're taking a part of us, the father and the mother. And as they grow older and as we're more observant and more intentional, we're able to shape them, not remove who they are, because I think that's where the problem comes from. Not changing changing them. them want them to be, but actually molding them to be the best versions of themselves and bring out the best of the traits that they're manifesting. So I would say right from when they pop out.
1: Sorry about that. I'm not sure if this, I'm just going to add a bit more to what she asked, which is, I I suspect the person is asking at what age is my child fully developed that there's you know at, 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 what's the what's the limit is it 12 before i know that this child is fully developed i can't really do much with the child or um is it 18 or is it
3: never so i would ask the parents the same question like i'll ask all of us that at what stage do you have you stopped learning have you stopped learning If you haven't stopped learning, it means there's still an opportunity for you to learn something and to change. Most of the traits that we've spoken about are skills that can be developed. It just means you being intentional about developing it. So it's it's just that the method in which you're going so the way you're going to train a three-year-old is different from the way you will train a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old, or a 30-year-old. So the manner in which I would teach my 10-year-old kindness or my 15-year-old um, how to self-regulate will be different from how I would teach my 30-year-old. But I still have the responsibility to observe and say, mm, this thing may not help you when you're 40. It may not help you. This is what needs to be done. And the approach then changes. Yeah.
1: Okay, thank you so much. Fidelma, please.
0: Well, I think charity, I mean just did everything but just to add to what Charity said it's almost like you know it's just like um, when 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 you as a parent in the home you must have a set of values the family advocates like in my home we used to call it the Anudu family values and it was five B's be kind be honest be responsible Be respectful, be the best you can. So from the time there were babies, do you understand? When we had, we, we, we used to have like meetings, you know, like before, well, not babies, but from the time they could talk, would have these family meetings before a new year it was a big thing you know and everybody will come up with the new rules that will govern this do family values some people will say oh mom we can't we can't talk with food in our mouth we can't touch the wall we can't do this we can't do that then they'll say like a million rules but because i'm the responsible adult in charge of that meeting i already know where i'm going with the meeting so they come up with all these things that look like abstractions then i start keying it in i'll say okay so all these things you're saying are really good then i'll come up with my five b's behind me so i'll, I'll be like if you talk with food in your mouth which of the rules do you think we're breaking they'll say oh mom i think we're not being responsible then if um, if i go around touching the white wall so there's finger you know a finger printer all over the wall which one am I breaking? Oh, mom, I think we're not being respect respectful. I'm not kidding. This is the same rule, but like uh, Charity just said, as they get older, kindness takes a whole new meaning. Responsibility takes a whole new meaning. Being respectful takes... But from the time they were kids, they could understand those five values because I told them when you go to school, you're going to meet all sorts of people, but you have to show them the value system from where you're coming. So that five Bs was a big thing for them. Even when they make a, a bad choice, they'll be like, mom, I don't think I was very responsible because i would given them the language with which to express themselves. It wasn't an abstraction because they know what responsibility looks like. So it's when the child goes, even as adults, my 29-year-old will call me and like, Mom, I don't think I was very responsible. Then I'm like, what happened? Then she would share. So it's still that same word. But now the meaning has matured with her. So I always tell parents, first of all, it starts in the home. You must have those value systems that your family subscribes to. As simple as it is, those same values—they're enduring. They don't change. All you can do is mature with it, and it takes on a whole new meaning. So, for this particular question, I'll tell the mom: We're limited. We're not like animals. We're not scripted. We can rewrite our scripts. That's why we're long, life, um, lifelong learners. All she's got to do is make sure you have a set of value system you ascribe to. Make sure when your child makes a poor choice. It's almost like you go back to the drawing board. What do you think we could do next time so that you'll be more responsible? What can I do as your mom to make you more responsible at school? Maybe you're losing all your pens and the child could say, oh mom, maybe if I got a new pencil case because my pencil case has a hole. The point I'm making is the child cannot learn those values if you, don't, if you have not consciously and deliberately created one in your home. Thank
2: you. Yeah. Thank
1: you, Phil. I'm. I'm just I mean, loving because, this. Uh, okay,
0: you want to say something? Yeah, have something.
2: Okay. Yeah, um, what I suspect the parent acting is that possibly sees that his um, child isn't quite behaving to the expectation and thinks his age he should be doing at his he should be doing at his age or her age. Hmm? Um Because. Um, there's a the magic 18 year old and then magic 21 years, and it seems like, well, this fellow is now free, he's free to go on his own. But it's, it doesn't happen like that in real life. Because if you have not done things early enough, everything just, uh, nothing, everything that you're you turn 18, and then all the virtues, all the values are supposed to have, you really have them. So, if she, just like uh, um, Fidema has said, she needs to now ask herself, what are the things? I see that are not in place in this, my child. And then how can we? Just, so, as that business identified, then you just worry and worry, but you're not really solving the problem. So it goes back to that focus now kind of about family values, you know. So, in and it's closely related to this question of self-regulation, what do I want to do, and what's the best way of getting to where I want to get to? So I, I carry on in that. I will see the help I need. I will see what. I understand that this is, I have a goal. But if I don't know where I'm going, I don't even know which route to go So what do I want to achieve? What are my life goals at this level? level? So a child wants to make a in, uh, in school or it was a certain you know, level of um, results. So how does he study? He has to go into all that and then change study methods that are not helping. And then you'll we'll be able to achieve that. Of course, given some people uh, based on their peculiarity may not, for example, Make an A in mathematics because somehow they have uh, they may have challenges with numerical things. But let them be like Mr. Um, Butu uh, said, the best version of themselves they can be. Because once you are sure that you've done your best, you are at peace. What happens is that if you know that you could have done better, you did things. There's always that. Uh, so here he is what are the things. So prudence. Does he work as hard as he should? Uh, sorry, does he work as hard as he should to one hour, depending on his age? Is he so easily distracted? Lack like, like of fortune, I'm able to hold myself down to do what should be done. Or I just float, which is the lack of temperance. I enjoy these stories, I watch TV almost endlessly, or I can't say no to ice cream, but I'm getting quite fat and i I know that I mean, I should regulate my weight, but I just can't help eating and all these are just a, a temporary just in control of uh, So let us identify clear things that these things are not quite in place in the expectations you have had of our child. And then begin to work on them one by one and see how she can make progress. There's no way that you say this child will only completely formed. It's not we're all. You know, work in progress. So there's no age you can pinpoint that His personality has completely developed. No. If he has virtues, he can strengthen them. If he has vices, he can work on them and improve on that version of him. All of us know what we are still struggling with. Habits we are still, even as the industry, we are still Even as adults, with. yeah. This is life. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah. Okay. okay. So, there's no version, it's okay. The person Yeah.
1: Okay, thank you so much. Um, I think the summary of that is, I like what you've all said, which is, um, the summary for me, I'm going to use my own words to, to say it, which is, the child, the solution of whatever the child is facing has to come from the child. It's better if it comes from the child, of course, as parents we were there to guide them. But if, uh, I think it was um, Filderma that said, if the child has done something, and you're like, okay, how do you think you could have done this better? and the solution comes from the child, most likely the child will not repeat that. But if you're the one that says, ah, you did this, how could you have done that? Do you know that I'm going to do this? You know, it just forms like a block and then it doesn't sink in. You find the child not being programmed the way you intend for the child to be programmed. So we'll move on to the next question on the group chat, which is um, from Joyce Akabogu. It is said that you cannot give what you do not have. But what advice do you give to a parent who is dealing with self-regulation and identifies a similar struggle with a child? That's a fantastic question because at some level, we all have um, things we're trying to regulate as well. So please, um, Fidema, (laughs) self-regulation. Please unmute.
0: Is it for the child or for the mom or for Both. the parent? Both. Both. See, self-regulation is not based on, it's not based on nothing. It's got to be ba- anchored onto some values. Do you understand? Like I told you, in my house, we had the Anudu family values and there were five Bs. So our self-regulation was monitored. At the expectations were those values. So if... Um, a child comes up to me and says, oh, mom, I didn't self-regulate. What I'm hearing the child saying is, I broke one of those five rules, but I'm taking ownership of it. Do you see, my child can't just say, I didn't self-regulate, what's the basis? What value system are you using? But because we have established a a clear criteria for what success looks, looks like. In my house, to be successful, you've got to be kind, responsible, respectful, um, honest, and the best you can be. So if, if my children, because they already had the language. So each time a child would say, oh, mom, I didn't self-regulate. I know one of those value systems was broken. So maybe the child would say, oh, mom, do you know, I was in such a tight corner that I couldn't bring myself to tell the truth. I actually lied which means you were not honest, then we'll talk. Why do you think you felt um, trapped? Why can't you just simply say, oh no, I took the cup of water, I took the tea. Why did you have to lie? So I talk the child through the process because now you've told me I lied. The child doesn't even know why they lied. So he's probably telling me, oh mom, I don't even know. I was just in a tight corner and I just didn't want any problems so I just said, you know, I kept quiet or I said, I wasn't the person that took it. So now I understand, okay, what am I working with? This child thinks maybe I would have been really mad at her if she had said, Oh, I was the person that took the Coke or whatever from the fridge. So I have to go reassure the child and like, no, the purpose of these uh, value system we have in the house is not to punish. It's just to make you grow into a responsible member of the society. Like Charity said, that's the that's the whole point of raising a child. I want Once you hit the road, you soar. Do you understand? You make a mistake and you can self-advocate for yourself. You know, there's some kids, so there are even parents who can't self-advocate. They can't take their steps backwards to even figure out what the problem is. So I tell them, no, the basis, the whole purpose of all these rules we have is for you to be able to know that this is, where you have to try and align yourself. Sometimes you're going to fall short. But the most important thing is knowing nobody's going to beat you up. The only thing I'm going to do is we're going to talk through it. And you're going to find out what triggers that make you feel like lying. You feel like you're in a, a tight corner. Then maybe it's even coming from me. Maybe they feel threatened by my presence. So I have to reassure them and tell them, I'm never going to whack you. What for? I don't. You. That's instant gratification. I'm not... I'm not helping you. You have to intrinsically understand why it's not good to take something from the fridge and lie about it. Because nobody's, I mean, these are small things. If you lie over small things, what are you going to do with the big ones? So to the question, I tell the mom, first and foremost, you must have a set of rules. Everybody is aware of. The children have to make the rules with you, you know, so everybody understands. And like Charity said, this generation is the how and why. I can't say nobody um, should open the fridge and they don't understand why. I could say, children, I don't want anyone opening the fridge. And everybody's like, mom, what's with you? Why can't we open the fridge? Then I'll have to explain, oh, don't open that fridge because I think it has a problem. I think it shocks. I'm going to bring the electrician, but I don't want to turn it off because the things in the fridge will defrost. See, I've given them the how and why. So they now know, okay, mom is not just telling us, don't touch the fridge. I've given them the reason. They're saying, and okay, let me just give you another example. Let's say your child poured water on the floor. Because remember, you're you're raising a thinking being. You, you don't want a com- a compliant child, a child that just agrees to anything. Oh, let me do it. I don't want my mom's trouble. You want a thinking being, somebody who thinks about it and understands why the person should be doing it. So water falls on the floor. Me as a mom, I don't say, Azu, go and clean the water. I'll be like, Azu, do you see the water? And Azu goes, mm-hmm. And I'm like, um, what do you think we should do about this water? Then Azu might think and think and say, mm, maybe, maybe, maybe I should go and get the mop. And I'll be like, maybe you should. You know, because now he has thought about it because that water will be there. They'll come there and skip over it but once you call their attention what do you think we should do then they come up with a solution so to answer the question come up with a value system use that value system as your success criteria so if somebody breaks a um if somebody breaks a rule you go back to that drawing board and you say what happened why did you think you were so disrespectful to the woman who came to the house or to the, your friend that came over so it gives, you, it gives you a platform to even begin to talk. I think the problem in most homes is there's no, there are no rules to start with. It's almost like you have to be good. What does good look like? You have to behave yourself. What does behave yourself look like? Do you understand? You've got to show them how. Does that answer the question? <laughs> I hope so, <laughs> I hope so <laughs> I don't know
1: <laughs> Thank you so much uh, Any other contribution? You said it all Okay, okay <laughs> So um, I would just add To what Dema has said um, For parents Who are trying to Also themselves self-regulate uh, It becomes like a double issue you know, you're trying to self-regulate and then you have children that you're seeing manifesting those things that you really don't like you know, about yourself. Just like you said earlier, um, they model us, the parents. So um, I, my advice would be, in line with what Phil Demas said, what are those areas you want to work on? What are the things you can, on your own, as a person, what can I start doing? And that sometimes you might need to actually involve the children to also hold you accountable. I do that at home. Sometimes I involve them so that they too, um, it's like a give up goal. You know what they say about, you know, um, give up goal and go up goal. Your go up goal, you you share with, you know, very close people that can inspire you, motivate you. But your give up goal, tell as many people as possible so that they can hold you accountable. Ah, mommy, but you said we should not eat before um, brushing our teeth. Have you brushed your teeth? You know, just those little, little things like that. You know, would also um, help in the process of self-regulation. So I'll move on to the next question. Um, the next one is from Vivian Oguledo, and she says, "Thanks for the amazing talks. Given the new normal, we have gotten. Given the new normal, we have gotten used to." How do we as parents control um, the content of devices which we've had to give <laughs> to them to connect with their academics? Now, the danger of cyber stalkers or bullies also has crept into our consciousness. Please. Expandate on the above concerns basically cyber security for our children charity
3: please we lost you rosemary hmm? you are muted oh okay let me take the
1: question again Sorry, about that. Okay, so it says here the question is from Vivian Oguledo. Thanks for the amazing talk. Given the new normal we have gotten used to, how do we, as parents, control or vet the content of devices which we've had to give um, them to connect with their academics? Now, the dangers of cyber stalkers or bullies also has crept into our consciousness please expatiate on the above um, concerns. So I was saying basically cybersecurity concerns.
3: Okay, so I'll I'll take that question. And um, one of the things when when, um, Rosemary was reading my bio, she talked about the digital intelligence quotient. DQ actually stands for digital intelligence quotient. And right for, um, I think in the last three, four years, we've been advocating for responsible digital citizenship. So it didn't just come because of the new normal. The risks had always been there. From the time we had started um, having uh, mobile devices in the hands of our children, we then needed to take those values that we've been talking about into how it operates. How can you be a responsible digital citizen? What are the values that you should look at? And there are eight core values. Cybersecurity just happens to be one of them. Digital footprints are one. You have digital empathy. You have um, privacy management. You have cyber bullying. You have um, cybersecurity management and a host of others, but there are eight of them. Now, what it is, is first of all, I personally have a bit of a problem with that word control. Because how long are you going to, children have gotten wiser. So even if they do not, even if you control, how much control can you do? It's a full-time 24-7 job to control any child. The only thing that you can do to control, in quotes, is to continually reinforce the values. And that brings us back to what we've been saying, the how and the why. So to tell them you cannot have your device, they want to know why. And then you then explain to them, part of the problem is a number of times, if we want to be honest with ourselves, parents, we are a bit mentally lazy. So we haven't even understood why ourselves. For some of us it's peer pressure because my friend's doctor does not, or in their own home they do not. So therefore it must apply in my house. No, each family is unique. So how do you control? To I mean, to use that word very loosely, you control by reinforcing the values. You should be able, it brings us back to the issue of self-regulation. There are certain sites you should not go to. Why? Because X, Y, Z. wants something, it's a matter of impressions. And the truth of the matter is that everybody who is um, trying to develop content is trying to get your attention. So there's what they call there's something called persuasive technology. It just keeps bombarding and bombarding and bombarding. So you're letting them know that, look, once you continually feed your mind with certain information, it has different impacts on you. And you need to know when to put it down. You can force and control and take it away and hide it and set or Yes, have the, create the, the framework. I think that's a new normal that parents need to start embracing. We are creating the framework. We are letting them understand. That's why critical thinking is such an important skill to equip our children with. They need to know the implications of what they do. If not, the moment they get an ounce of freedom, they just go haywire and then they then hit uh, a brick wall and they find out that, look, it's a major accident. So the only way is keep reinforcing values. The same way you have re- values in the physical is the same way you reinforce values that are applicable to the digital world. That's what i would have to say. Thank you. Um, can I just ask um, Charity,
1: um, yeah. for the younger teens or preteens, yeah. are there, yes. is it advisable to actually, yes, in line with talking to them, creating um, self-regulation, creating those values, Are there things that parents can put in place, digital measures they can put in place to also safeguard these children from those things that just pop up as the children, even though they are not going to in search of those things? Are there any things that you would advise the parents put in place to also safeguard these children?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are different softwares that can be installed on um, on devices, depending on the age of the children. However, it's also important to know that our children are very intelligent, so it's very easy to hack some of those things. But there are different softwares that can be put. You can set um, firewalls from certain things um, popping up. You can set your, your privacy settings can ensure if you're giving a child a device, you can set the privacy settings depending on the kind of device you have. I know that for the iPhone, you have um, 13 and below, just like you have your DS TV and you have parental guardians. There are certain uh, privacy settings that you can, you can put in place. So yes, those software do um, exist, but at the end of the day, they, they may not even be using their own devices. What happens when they're with somebody else's device who does not have that in place? What do they do? But yes, there are, to answer the question directly, yes, there are softwares that can be put in. in
1: okay. Thank you. Ms. Um, Eiji, any contribution? Or we move to the next question?
2: Um, maybe just to help reinforce what Daji uh, has said about, uh, parents have to be clear in their head that, you know, the objective of the mission is that you're raising children to be free and responsible. This is, you know, freedom and responsibility are two sides of the same coin. So, that word control is something we should because control is um, a bit of like power game, and you can't remain powerful all the time. You know? So, responsible in the sense that they can hold they can take responsibility for their own actions, and, and then free because they were created free, the human spirit is free to explore to do things, but there's a, a framework. So once you have you know, going back again to that question of prudence, just and all that, there are certain things that uh, this route I'm not supposed to travel. That's why you can't. Okay, Mr.
1: Aj, I think we've lost you there. Okay, but we'll get the message. We'll get um, his message. I'll move on quickly. Um, time is fast going. I'll move on quickly to the next question. Um, I have a daughter who finds it difficult to express herself when she is angry. How can I help her? That's the question. So anybody can take that question. Fidema, um Charity
3: or mr. AJ, please. Okay. So she finds it difficult to express herself when she's angry. Yeah That's the question, right? Yes. I mean, okay So um, it would be good to have a bit more context. Why does she find it difficult? Is it that it she is is she stammer? Is it that she's afraid that she'll say the wrong thing? People process anger in different ways. There's something called anger management and it's important to learn how to manage your anger and the best way to manage anger is not to bottle it up. It's to talk about what the issue is. Some people need to backtrack and just cool off a bit before they talk. Some people they open their mouth, they blow up and they say the wrong things. So I think for if, if I had it, if I had a child who had that challenge, what would I do? I'll first try to find out what the issue is. Is it that the child is afraid? to say what exactly it is that is causing the anger for whatever reason. For some people, as strange as it may sound, some people, I remember when I was much younger, actually thought it was wrong to get angry. Now I realize that there's absolutely, anger is a natural emotion. It's just the way that it is expressed. In fact, anger is what brings about change. So you then find out why is the child struggling to, when you say difficult to express, express how? Is that the child doesn't talk about it. If the child doesn't talk about it, then you begin to have conversations about how you can um, effectively communicate what exactly it is that is causing the anger. And you even have a perfect opportunity to delve deeper. Why are you angry about X, Y, Z? You begin to drill deeper and you begin to get to know the child better. If it is that the child expresses themselves in a way that is so incoherent, then you also want to have the conversation about how to properly communicate when you're angry. And the, the, I mean, the rule of thumb for me is always deal with the issue, not the person. So you're angry about an issue, not necessarily about the, about the um, with the person. Somebody did something. What is it that the person did that got you angry? For me, that's the rule of thumb.
1: Okay, uh, I think I can see a message from the... Um the participant, um, she says she does not stammer. So I think you've addressed that as well. So it's basically to find out what's the cause of the anger and then try to have a conversation around the cause of the anger. Um, Fidama, do you have any uh, I'm sorry,
3: I'm sorry, Rosemary. But um, again, it brings us back to our children modeling what it is that they see. So does the parent herself, how does the parent herself or how do the parents communicate their anger when they're angry, how do they communicate it? That's food for thought. I mean, it's not that I want an answer, but it's something to think about.
1: Okay. Okay.
3: Thank you, Charity.
1: Uh, Philema? Okay. You're good. Okay. Uh, I think we've, uh, Mr. I. J probably been locked out. Okay. I uh, would we'll have him back shortly. Um, Any other question on the chat? No? Okay, so I'll go back to the last one on my private chat, which is, my child is addicted to devices. Um, I seize them, but he finds ways of getting them back, using them, and then returning them back. How do I weigh him off? He is fifteen years old. So charity, please. Uh your child yeah, is digital
3: digital children
1: addicted to devices.
3: Okay, so so I like to I like to look for trouble sometimes. How many of us adults on this Zoom are addicted to our devices? <laughs> Let's be honest. How many of us have our phones most of the time, and we're constantly looking at it? How many of us are constantly in front of our laptops? At the end of the day, it is what we model. So there seems to be some very loud silence all over. I don't know why. I can feel it. You know, is it guilt? <laughs> you know, it's very easy for us to point our fingers. Just go. I mean, pre-COVID. You went to a party and you saw that everybody sitting on the table had their necks like this, and they were looking at their devices. Am I saying it's right? Not at all. So how would you wean yourself off the device? One of the things to do is first of all, to be able to understand that, look, um, too much screen time has a lot of negative effects. Apart from the fact that more, many more of us are wearing glasses now. At much earlier ages, it it damages your eyesight. There are also other things to do. Perhaps one of the suggestions that I would give is to find other uh, non-screen related interests. E.g., does the child like sports? One of the things you have to do is to help the child make those decisions. Help not make the decisions for the child, but let them understand that, look, excessive screen time, which by the way is one of the, um, the, um, the, the marks of digital citizenship, right? Screen time management. Excessive screen time has a lot of negatives and you need to be able to manage it. To be able to manage it, you need to do X, Y, Z. One, begin to develop other interests. Begin to develop other interests that are not screen related, e.g. sporting activities, e.g. reading, reading a book. E.g. having conversations. And then you, self, you as the parent, try and model it that, okay, let's even have it. You know, there are all kinds of challenges these days. Let your own challenge be that no screen time, uh, let's begin to reduce our screen time in the, in the house. So when we're getting to, to the dining table to eat, for instance, everybody drops their device on the middle of the table. Nobody picks it up. But it's a constant battle, and it's something that every... I mean, almost every household is struggling with but the truth of the matter is we ourselves too are struggling a great deal with it it doesn't mean it's impossible but we just have to keep talking yeah
1: okay thank you so much in addition to that um i think um i think it was last week i was having this conversation in my uh with my family and my husband and i were having this conversation around how much screen time You know, even we as adults, because I know I was complaining about one of my children and we were like, okay, let's even be honest with ourselves. We ourselves, you know, how much screen time do we use? I can make the excuse that I'm working, I'm working with it. But believe me, I found out um, when I was researching that at some point, after I finished doing all my messages, I just found my fingers, you know, flipping through apps, looking for what to do. So I now notice, that, wow, this is actually becoming an addiction without you knowing that it is an addiction. So I started researching what are the things I can do on my own, you know, to try and cut down on the screen time. And I found some interesting um, suggestions. I hope we will use. Well, I've used some of them um, for the last one week. One is um, on Sundays. Today is an exception. On Sundays, no, no phone. On Sundays the whole of Sundays, but of course it depends on the kind of job you do. So no phones on Sunday and then the uh, Internet goes off at a certain time on all devices So that also helps to calm um, Everybody down. So if you're using a central device, that's fine, but the risk there is you have all the children like you all said very smart digital children that can buy their data and use it. So it still boils down to that self-regulation. Why are we doing this? Why are you taking this time we have for our devices from us? So that explanation had to be done. We had to have that conversation that this is the reason you can see that it's affecting. You're calling a child, the child is saying, "Yes, mom, I'm coming, mom." 5 minutes later you're saying, ah, I thought I called this child. Where is this child?" You know. So those things we have to explain to say, "You know what? This is affecting it's affecting you you're not even focusing if you're cooking your food gets burnt you're cooking because you're using devices and all of that so that explanation and then we came up with the agreement of what time frame should we stop um, using data as a whole and then how do we hold each other accountable so we've struggled a bit I have to admit we struggled a bit but it's work in progress just in case anybody else you know falls within um that scope i hope that helps as well So do you have any contribution
0: no i just wanted to add yes okay you want to um, reduce amount of screen time because they're not spending time with the family right but you see because my kids are much older kids I'm using the devices to connect us. So like today is Sunday, I've gone to mass already, but I know that every Sunday I'll privately inbox one of the kids, you're going to host mass. Do you understand? So today my son who lives in um, Florida will host mass because he knows that's the time the family, everybody logs in from wherever. We've all gone, my husband and I, we've gone to church, but after mass, sometimes I will log in, but I'm not, like sitting in front of it. Because I know after mass, everybody, we all recalibrate. We all talk as a family. Everybody shares, oh, this is what's happening at work. Like we all touch base. Because whether you like it or not, the family is where the children draw their strength from. Even like um, Miss Charity said, yes, they're older kids. But you can see they look forward to that Sunday um, hosting that we all come together as a family because that's the only way we can physically we can see ourselves and we can get a feel and I can look at each person's face and we talk about things. And even if you didn't share, maybe your brother or your sister will be like, Oh, you might want to talk to a zoo about this, you know? So I'm just seeing it from a way you can use it to bring the family together as they get older, you know, because I don't tell them what to do. They get on with their lives. But for me, actually, it has sort of, brought us together in the sense that even the older ones, you who, you know, I know they don't go to church or they go when they feel like it, but the mere fact you're hosting it, you better be there because you're the person who'll send a link to the rest of the family and we all log in anyway. Yeah, so I just wanted to share that. Thank you,
1: Demma. Okay, so I have a last question here. Um, the question says, My son is experimenting with drugs. We found out that he has weed in his wardrobe by accident. He has promised to stop, but I am very worried that whoever has supplied him, will want to continue how do i gain his trust or how does shorthand how do i gain his trust i'm assuming she means or he or she means how do i gain the trust how do i trust my son to do the right thing hoping that they've talked about it so the child they found weed in his wardrobe and um they feel concerned, or she feels, he or she feels concerned, how should they handle it? Mr. IJ, since you've been away, can I put you on the hot seat? Sorry, unmute yourself, please. We can't hear you. Can you unmute yourself?
2: Okay. Okay. I've done that. I hope you can hear me. Now. Yes, My can. network was very bad. It me out. I was listening to devices, both of them and SELTA.
1: Okay. But did you hear the question? Oh, I think the network is still bad. Okay. Um, Charity of Fizema, anyone can take it.
3: Okay. So if if I heard the question though. Well, um they they found weed in their son's wardrobe and uh, something got, got me a bit distracted with that question about um sorry, can i go ahead please go ahead sorry something got me a bit distracted with that question i think she said how do i make sure the person who is supplying it the, the problem is not with the person who's supplying it the problem is with the child who has um decided to use it. Now, um, as scary as this may sound, weed has become like pure water. It is almost everywhere. I hear that every other gate man is probably a supplier of weed. But it brings us back to, I can say today, okay, do this, do that. How do you gain the trust? One would be by making sure that you create a safe space. No matter what happens, make sure that your children can always come and talk to you about whatever it is. I've had extensive conversations with my son about weed. He's shown me videos of people who appear very lucid. I've had conversations with young um, boys, young um, teenage boys, young um, um, young adults, who have shown me that if they say that weed, medicinal weed sorry, um, sorry, medicinal marijuana is good, then why are you saying it is wrong? I've had arguments or discussions with them where they say, look, alcohol has killed more people than weed and alcohol is more dangerous than weed, but why is it that everybody keeps hammering about weed? So you then have to, then what it does is that it then pushes you to research further. Because, like I said, we're dealing with a generation who, you tell them one thing, they have 20 things to counter. If it is legalized, if it is this, there's somebody doing this, there's something. So why don't you want your child to to smoke weed? Why don't you want your child? You have to have your answer. Is it because it will make you look bad? Is it because it is not based on your own? It is not part of the criteria of being a successful parent. Is it because you really think that there's something wrong with it? Is it because you think that it will damage the child's um, 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 mental faculties or whatever? What is your reason? Based on that, you then start having conversations with your child. But you need to, see, I've said it that one of the greatest skills that you can have as a parent is the art of absorbing shock. Because the way you react in that one split second can make or break your trust. So when you do find out something that it could be weird, it could be whatever, it could be that your child is pregnant, you found your child having sex or doing something, you have to learn the art of absorbing shock so that you can actually help that child. You then want to have conversations. The next critical thing is conversations and open conversations. You must be ready to let them talk. It's not just about you talking, 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 talking. Why are you doing this? Look, one person can smoke weed and nothing happens. Another person smokes weed and the thing knocks. When we were growing up, they told us that our brain will knock if you smoke. And that was why many of us did not do it out of fear. Not because we actually knew that, and we found people who had been doing it and their brains didn't knock, at least for every 10. And I've had conversations with young people and they say, oh, but how could you people have believed that that brain is knocking? Brain does not knock like that now. You know, so at the end of the day, it still brings us back to the question Oh, sorry, it still brings us back to the issue of values. It still brings us back to the issues of having conversation. It still brings us back to the issue of making sure your, your um, home is a safe space. It brings us back to the conversation of, look, love, one of the things, right, is that parents have assumed, and even children, children have assumed that it is natural to love your children. I've discovered that it isn't. It's a choice. So you are going to choose to love that child. Whether they, whether they fall your hand or not. And then you're going to have conversations with them in love. And you're going to tell them why it is not good for them. Not why it is not good for you. Why it is not good for them. And then help them to begin to make choices. Because one of the things, you know, I, I hear parents who boast, about their children, my children do not do this, my children do not do that. And you find out that you are the only one who doesn't know what your child does. Every other person knows because they found a way of pretending in front of you. So you have to consistently have conversations. If you find out that it has gotten to a stage where the child needs help, like I keep saying, then seek professional help. Sometimes, but that is usually not my first port of call. You have a conversation with your child. Why are you doing this? This is it. Clearly, there's something. We're not on the same wavelength. Because if I believe that there's something wrong, and it's what I've tried to pass on to you, and you have chosen to make a choice differently, let's talk about it. Why? And then, do you really want to give it up? If you want to give it up, how can I help you give it up? I want you to give it up but how can I help you make that decision? Because I'm not going to be there when you are sneaking. How am I going to be monitoring you 24-7? No. But the only thing is also know that broken trust has to be rebuilt. So the child knows that there are consequences for breaking that trust. And it's not. it means that I'm not going to trust you like that again. And then we have some level of accountability. When you get to the okay, I no longer want to experiment with this thing or participate in this thing anymore. How can I hold you accountable? Is it that we were, we're going to be doing a um, drug tests once in once in, in every three three uh, months, by way of example? And when we find out that you're breaking trust again, there are consequences. So it's not a one size fits all. It's a difficult one. It's a tough one. It's hard for any parent to um, to find out. However, you must make sure that you remain a safe space for your child where they can come and talk to you so that you can quickly deal with the matter without and make sure that they understand why. If not, it will just be a momentary thing. They will stop it because you said uh, you shouldn't do it. The moment they're out of your sight, it then gets deeper because they have not understood the reason why. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm just going to ask from the
1: perspective of a parent now, right? how should parents that find themselves in this situation, what are the coping mechanisms? What are the things that themselves can, how can they cope with it? Because sometimes it could be, just like you said, it could be so shocking that you have to um, find a way of dealing with it. But outside of dealing with the, the, the situation, how do you deal with yourself and all the emotional
3: impact it has on you as a parent? Okay, so truth is that we all have different coping mechanisms. For some of us, prayer is a key coping mechanism, taking it to the Lord in prayer, understanding that, look, these children are God's own. My eyes cannot be with them 24-7. Therefore, I hand them over to you, God, as I should have done in wisdom in the first place, and help me. And know that, okay, look, what I can't do, he can do. Second thing is to find a way of, Deliberately choosing on a daily basis, because when your child does something that disappoints you, right, obviously, you will have different kinds of emotional um, experiences, you will feel hurt. It's easy. I I didn't say uh, that statement that I made, right, I want you to sit down and think about it. It is not natural to love your child. It is a choice you make on a daily basis. So part of the way you cope is to choose to, I still choose to love you and to walk in love towards you. Even though I'm upset, even though I'm pained, I'm disappointed. So how do you cope? Read up for some people, prayer for some people, talking to people who are honest and candid enough to say, look, this was my experience, this is how I dealt with it. It helps. But one thing that does not help is shaming the child. One thing that does not help is nagging the child. One thing that definitely helps is creating a safe space. Yeah. Rosemary, you're muted. Sorry, Andra would like to make a comment
1: on this topic as so,
4: well. Andra, are you unmuted? Hello, yes. I'm okay. actually Andra's husband.
1: Oh, okay. And I've, yes, i have I've been camera listening. on,
4: please? Um, I don't have my shirt on.
1: Okay. We've asked you to <laughs> put your camera on, if that's okay.
4: Oh, okay, 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 I've done that.
1: Sorry. Sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's okay.
4: It's okay. So um I want to talk from the experience of um someone who has been around people who have been on drugs, people who have had issues related to drugs. Um I know that first time users of certain drugs like heroin or cannabis sometimes get addicted you know, to it. So the bottom line, which I've actually known from the beginning, true friends and hanging out with even people who have smoked a lot and had a lot of drugs in them, is the fact that the foundation which we give to the children from the beginning, like uh, the lady highlighted earlier, she said, um, the talk from parents, the discussions and the rest of it, Actually, parents told us in the past that whenever we have anything to do with drugs, we're going to run mad. And that thought has always been in my head from the beginning. And such so thoughts, you know, are uh, what is guiding us till today. And that's why you could see, you know, as much as we had bad people around us, friends and the rest, we didn't actually toe the line. We, we, we told the line which we were, you know, brought up with, which is, if you do this, these are the consequences. Punitive measures is, is, has always paid off. And that's what is making you know, certain societies in the world today thrive better than the other. Because there should be consequences to everything. If we don't believe that, we're all just going to end up being lawless. A lot of people who are on drugs will tell you that the euphoria they get is overwhelming, is interesting, and they really like it. So how do you get them out of it? Like I said, two ways to it from the beginning. Sometimes it's you go through prayer, you know, a lot of guidance in prayer and a lot of talks. Like, it's very, very key that you get to see this student from the beginning and tell them about these drugs, the effect on them, and then what it would do to you, you know, later in life. Actually, today, I know so many young people are on drugs, and, you know, it's a painful thing at this time that drugs have actually spread. In the way, in the past, there was very little access to drugs, but today drugs are everywhere. You can get them from a nearby store, you, you know, from people who you don't expect. all selling drugs, but still we have to live. We have to move on. We have to bring up our kids. Nevertheless, you know, we, we it's all about love and trying to put them to the right perspective in life. I believe, you know, that if we keep pushing on with them in terms of discussing these things and letting them know, which is very, very key from the, uh, you know, quite young, we've been telling them, you know, look at this person who, you know, we tell them in the car, you see that guy on, on dreadlock walking naked, he was on drugs and that's why he's there. You know, so we started. We start instilling the fear in them from the beginning. Yes, from the beginning. Yeah. I
1: think it's a combination
4: yeah. of both because of time.
1: Um, thank you so much, Andrea's husband. I think it's a combination of both, depending on the parenting uh, tactics. But we've looked at the various um, strategies used for uh, parenting, and the best approach is always when they understand why they should not do what they're doing. As against, if you do it. You know, this will happen. But when they understand why, it works better in the long term. Because don't forgetting that our generation, or your generation, um, had different influences, had different circumstances. What is currently going on now? You have a generation of digital, microwave, I don't even know if you call it microwave, microwave is too slow. Children that are, you know, the question every single thing. You know, if I, if I tell my son something, he's asked me, but why? So I have to be on top of my game to explain and to truly understand why myself before I can explain to him. So if I say to him that this happens, these are the possibilities, then he knows that anytime he's making anything outside of what I had told him, it's a choice and he has to also bear the consequence of that because if he tries it and it doesn't work you will be like, eh, so mommy was lying in the first place, Should I tried it, I'd my head didn't knock, you know. But if he understands that Yes, you might not be able, you might not, it might not hit you immediately, but these are the consequences, just like pornography as well. These are the consequences. It goes deep because you are defiling the very essence of creation itself. You are defiling yourself, you're defiling the person who is engaged in it. And we attended um, um, a conference uh, um, last year. The girls, most of the girls involved in pornography are trafficked so you begin to understand it's a vicious circle and then goes on to affect those involved even in their marriages because they see it as if i can get my pleasure easily why should i go through the stress of my wife nagging me this and that and that so it begins to affect that human relationship so it goes a lot more when the children understand and with prayers we are able to raise them the way you know, we, the vision we have for them, I think that would go um, a long, long way. We are actually running out of time, and um, I would like to say thank you so much to Charity, um Fieldema and uh, Mr. Michael. Mr. Michael, I know you were saying something. Would you like to round up what you were saying earlier, or are you okay on drugs? No, it wasn't on, I don't
2: know. If we're talking about the thing of control and um, freedom. Sorry, increase your audio, please. As I said we're talking about uh, freedom and uh, responsibility, and then we got the uh, network. Is it better now?
1: Yes, yes, please.
2: Okay, so um, to remember, we are raising our children to be free and responsible. So applying the strategy of control. We have limited effect. It's not, it's not as effective as recognized as free. But that freedom comes with responsibility, yeah. and in the end, they will be more successful adults using both. Because you don't also want the timid person, like um, I think it's, uh, Charlie was talking about compliance or them. You don't want the person who is really just compliance. Is not the right. The, he obeys because he wants to because it's freedom. He, this is what I think is the best thing for me, and. You are you can go to sleep because he will do what is right because there's moving one form. And not because you are not there to control him.
1: Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Um, this person has sent in. Please, can we just be uh, two questions that will quickly take place or we'll try and rush through them? The first is my son prefers to write his concerns and sends to me rather than talk to me directly. Generally, he doesn't like facing people older than him. How may I help him build his confidence? Uh, Fidelma, you can take that please.
0: I'm sorry, can you just repeat the question again? Okay, it says my son prefers to write
1: his concerns and send to me rather than talk to me directly. Generally, he doesn't like facing people older than him. How may I help
0: him build his confidence? Well, I think Miss Charity kind of covered this. It also, you have to look inward because we, we, are, we, are, we are our children's superheroes. We're the role models. You understand there must be something about that authority figure that makes the child feel, oh, no, if I go to mom or dad, I might get whacked or get a slap. So I might as well just write it and send it and be at a distance. So we might look at our parenting style. How? What is it about me that makes this child think, if you told me in person, what's the worst that can happen? Do you understand? So I think um, look at yourself and look at you, yourself as a parent. Figure out what you could do. Because I know like as a teacher, a child will go home and the next day the parent comes in and the parent goes, oh, Mrs. Anudu, Mariah said you were mean to her. And I'm still wondering when I was mean to Mariah. And Mariah will be like, oh, Mrs. Anudu, when I said good morning to you, you didn't smile. Do you see where I'm going with it? So you find out these children read us like a book. So maybe it's the way you shape your mouth and the child goes, okay, mom's angry. There must be something you're doing that is triggering that behavior. That's just the way I see it right now. So you might look at yourself, make the child comfortable so the child understands that no matter what happens, I'm here, like my kids, they know that there is no problem. They come up, I tell them, just let us know. And we'll figure out, we'll come up with a strategy to solve it. They must see you as, listen, that's the, like Ms. Charity said, we are the soft space where they fall. Even if the whole world batters and bruises you, you just let us know. That's why we have those weekly meetings and we have it by Zoom and is sharing. These are adults be like oh dad can you imagine do you see what my professor did you know and then the dad will be like hmm maybe he didn't do it that way don't react the way you think like my 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 son is going oh i I will go and see him i'm gonna stand my ground and my, my husband is like what are you trying to prove no you don't need to do that so your children have to see you as that safe space yes i may not be happy with the choices you have made but you've told me what you have done and we'll all come up with a strategy with some solution that is doable, that you can work towards to achieve your goals. So let the mom look inward, um, try and placate the child, let the child understand, listen, my job is to protect you, not to become something you're afraid of. So if you're afraid of mom, what are you doing with the other adults out there? Do you understand what I mean? So anyway. okay. Thank you so
1: much. I'm mean, In addition, I'll just add um, non-judgmental. Non-judgmental of a child as well would go a long way. Um, try and hear the child out. Try and have quality time with a child. Just one-on-one with the child. Go out with the child. Let that child begin to have that confidence in you and build that relationship from um, a one-on-one relationship um, with that child that could also... Uh, help as well. Do we um last last question, I promise. The um, private chats, please. My child doesn't believe in God and disputes the existence of God. How can I help him? This one is a Christian question. But if we can quickly <laughs> I think it's an existential uh, question. How can we, because, well, personally, I've come across children who question the existence of God as well. So how can we help them um, gain that confidence if some parents have not started from the beginning? Because let's not assume that all parents start from the beginning. I teach catechism in church, and it's amazing. um, Parents, you know, relegate that responsibility to the church, just like they do to schools you know, so if the parents have not laid a good foundation from the beginning, how can they start now? Mr. E.J., please, if you can make it brief, please.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, let the child, I mean, uh, go through a, a thinking process. For example, ask the child, does he, how do you think everything? Uh, there are natural ways of... I'm sorry,
1: we
2: are losing you again. Sense of God. Um, The so called Big Bang, which is the science, that's also how old is the child? better now? (laughs) We're assuming he's 18. Is it better?
1: I'm not sure. The person didn't specify. All
2: right. Uh So, yeah. So, if you see that, um, how does it think, uh, where? Because he himself comes from, because, okay, you have a father, a grandfather, that So where did the first person come into this? A critical question to ask and answer. Hmm? Then the nature as it operates, the rising of the sun and the setting, the seasons of the year, are they just an accident like a big bang? How come the... They told about um, coming from apes. We've all lived here. How come... Goats always give birth to goats, human beings. I mean, how many, has you ever seen a breed of boats uh, both um uh what do you call it now? Maybe chimpanzee and a human being as uh, giving birth to. So the reason supports the fact that God exists and then somebody the order in creation is part of it. Then if uh depending on the you can your books you can read. Hmm? Can, the, can you recommend quickly? Is yeah, if anyone you can recommend quickly for the parents you to can read. read it and then yeah, the faith explained. Okay. The author is Leotris. Okay. The faith explained. And mm-hmm. If he reads through that, it he can help him come to some reasonable conclusion it. about the okay. existence of God. Thank
1: you so much. So please take note of that. The person that posted the question, yeah. please take note of that. Any quick additions
3: before we round yeah. up? I'd like to. I'd like to say that um, perchance you have a child who is not ready to read right? It's good if you can find literature that they can read. But perchance, I mean, I said it when I was talking that we need to remember that we are just custodians of these children. They belong to God. So God, I would, if, if, I, had, if I was faced with that situation, I would just be praying for the child not necessarily with the child because that can be an irritation and and further drive the child away. I will be praying for the child that the child will have an encounter with God. If Saul could have an encounter and become Paul, surely my child can have an encounter and believe in God. So that would be my strategy. Thank you so much. Last words.
0: (laughs) Am I, am I muted? No, no we can you. hear you. Okay, no, it's, it's still, it's just the same. Nothing happens by chance. So I just tell parents, you've got to reteach your values. You have to reinforce your values and you have to rehearse your values until it becomes a habit. Do you understand what that, once that foundation is there, it's just like my children, for the life of me, I don't even know if they go to church or not. But all I know is on Sunday, Azu, you're in charge of logging in. Do you understand? And everybody comes together. Then after it, we talk about what are you thankful for? Who are you thankful to? God, do you understand? So everybody will share what they're thankful for for that week. You know, so there are little ways as parents, we can encourage them without seeming overbearing. Mm -hmm. Of course, we can at home, like um, um, Miss Charity said, I'm one of those big believers in prayer, okay? give them a Damascus experience or something. Do you understand? So I'm praying, but in my own little subtle way, I do those. Yeah, sometimes I know initially they'll just log on and they're nowhere to be found. When mass is over, they come out. Yes. But when they found out after mass, we'll kind of talk about how the the priest (laughs) talked about um, the sermon. You could see them all paying attention. (laughs) Initially, my husband used to be the only person hosting. I'm like, I don't think so. So we now gave it to them. So now one of the, one of the children, he's in charge of coming up with a roster. Whose turn is it to host it? So, you know, you become very creative because these are now adults. I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you, you must go to church. But one thing I can do is to bring you together on Sundays. We talk about it and we're thankful for something. What are we thankful for? We're thankful for being alive. To who? Uh huh. Anyway.
1: Thank you all so, so much. I've gained a lot of insights, I've gained a lot of uh, knowledge from uh, our session today. I thank you so much. I would like to thank uh, Ms. Charity Babatunde, MD, Rave et al. Thank you so much for always being there for Thrive Women. Uh, we're proud of the work you're doing. Um, she's actually started a kindness, um, um, a kindness process where uh, a project. Yes, where um, she raises funds to help people that cannot pay their hospital bills, to pay them. I think this last month, um, she was able to raise 395,000 and it's been fully disbursed. The interventions were diabetic complications, a 13-year-old sickle cell complication, 11-year-old, and an emergency CS, an adult CS um, operation. So um, it simply means wherever you can in multiples of 1,000, it could be every month as, as it's convenient for you, um, you will be added to a WhatsApp group and you will be told, you can a- actually suggest um, someone who has a need and can be um, taken care of, but the ultimate uh, decision lies with the board um, of people looking into um, this project. So thank you, Charity, for yeah. the yeah.
3: Is I want to put it there, no? Mm-hmm. I somebody mm-hmm. sorry? Hey,
1: please, can you mute? Uh,
3: I said well you
0: would also... So how do you want anybody to do, to do what to do? So what you have done, I've put it on my head. I will have on
3: it. Okay. Thank you. Thank
1: you. So we'll move on to... um. Um, Fidelma, Fidelma, thank you so so much. Um, we called on you and you very quickly accepted. Thank you for your time. Thank you for um, your encouragement as well. Um, We're truly grateful. Uh, Mr. Michael DJ, we thank you so so much. Um, you've been there for us. You've been there encouraging, supporting. We are very very appreciative of you. Thank you. Now we'll go on quickly to our supporters. We have um, um, Women in Abuja would like to thank you. Please, um, if you are on Instagram, please visit their page. Um, they've been very supportive. They help women a lot. Um, anything to do with supporting women, they're, they're all there. So thank you, women in Abuja. We also like to thank um, Rave at All, the MD of Rave at All. We've mentioned that. Would like to thank uh, Mrs. Ngozi Oyewole, um, the MD of um, Noxie Limited. She's always been there for um, Thrive Women um would like to thank mrs nkechi Jua as well always been there right from the conception of the thoughts of thrive she's been there supporting us all through would like to thank um mrs um zita agunobi same thing very supportive always been there with us i have a sister who doesn't like to be recognized but i'm afraid i have to recognize her today uh, her name is mrs elizabeth Membure, I thank you so much. A sister from another mother. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, without um, wasting much of your time, I thank you all, and I hope um, when we call on you next time, you'll accept the invitation, and um, we'll be very happy to have you on board. If you have any further questions, please feel free to send us an email, and please don't forget to follow us on Instagram, ThriveNinja.com. Women, so until we come your way again same time next month, we hopefully need um, have a conference coming up in November 12th and 13th of November. So we'll keep you posted. If you would like to be a part of it, uh, we'll let sh- uh, we'll give you the avenue to be a part of the conference. It's a two day conference. Um, the first day will be on um, businesses running, how to start your business, how to run your business, what are the challenges you um, you face and opportunities we we'll have. Um, opportunities for you to actually um, invest in um, a business idea or um, funding grants that are available as well. Then the second day would be on emotional and physical well-being. So we're still working around sponsorship. We're still working around um, support system for it. So if you feel you have a calling to be part of it, please, we're happy to talk to you and we'll be grateful for it. We're all about empowering women, making sure we are better, not just for ourselves, to also uplift other women, to also help our families to become more, just like we discussed today, as well as help our community and humanity as a whole. That's the whole concept of Thrive Women. So thank you so, so much. I hope um, we have um, taken something away from this. And um, Very quickly, I think I've seen some people commenting. It's been an interesting, it's been interesting. Thank you so much, speakers for this meeting. I have lent some strategy. Uh, it's been an interesting, an informi- informative session. God bless you all. God bless you, Maz and Saz. Very brilliant session. Thank you all so much. I'm richly blessed. Thanks for this great session. Very insightful webinar. Great panel. Well done, Thrive Women Solutions. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mrs. Fidelma Anudu, Mrs. Charity Babatunde, and Mr. Michael E.J. for a truly amazing session. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Um, thank you, Thrive Women, for your inspiration. Thank you all so, so much. We can't read all the um, chats because we're way out of time. Once again, thank you all and God bless you. God bless Nigeria. Thank you. Thank you
4: for having us. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, uh, Mr. Charity. Thank you, uh, Mr. Michael.
2: And thank you tribe women for having me.
1: Thank you, sir. (music) Thank <music>